something about David and the, and the giant? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then about impossible situation and our God being big enough to take care of those. So I thought I'd just spend a minute talking about all those things. But I'm, I'm going to tell you a little, little context for that. Um, I grew up in a little bitty farm town down in Fayette County called LaGrange. And uh, some of you might have seen it before. Uh, it's, it's a town of 100 people. It was 100 people when I you know, was born and, and raised there. It's 100 people today. Not the same 100 people, but uh, there's still 100 people there. And it's a, it's a, it was a fun little place when I was growing up because all the older folks, if you came into town like I came into your church today and folks didn't know you, they, you know what they would ask you? They'd ask you a question that you don't hear much anymore. They wouldn't say, where are you from, like we would say. They'd say, who are your people? <laughs> who do you go with? Who are your people? Yeah. And so I, I was able to say, well, my people are John and Betty Wally. They live down the street there. But isn't it good that throughout the Bible and in the Psalms that God says, you're my people. Yeah. You're my people, the sheep of my pasture. Yeah. Um, you know, we live in some troubling times, don't we? Um, we've got these, these, these giant problems out there, and we see all of these, the mayhem out and about us. And we wonder what's going on, what's God doing? What's becoming of our country? What's becoming of, of, of good people standing up for what we believe? Um, let me take you back to LaGrange real quickly. A story, then I'll, I'll get on with what I was going to say. My wife's heard this several times, she's smiling about to roll her eyes that she's going to hear it again. Um, that little town, we have a, a, a cemetery. And one Halloween back when I was a boy, so this is back in the mid-1960s, my dad took all of us trick-or-treating through the little town. And man, back then, you got some nice stuff in your bags. I mean, we had caramel apples, we had popcorn balls, we had heavy candy. I mean, people loaded you up. And we rode in the back of his pickup truck, going all around. You can't do that anymore. But there was a time when you could ride in the back of a pickup truck and not worry about it. So he said, I'm going to take you kids out to the cemetery on Halloween night here. And I want you to get out, and, and there's a big U-shaped drive through this cemetery. I'm going to put you out on this side, and I'm going to pick you out on the, up on the other side. Y'all walk through it. So we were scared to death, as you can imagine. We linked arms. And we started kind of walking, whistling through the graveyard, pretty literally. As we made the curve, coming down the home stretch, thinking there was going to be a pickup truck at the end to pick us up, all of a sudden from behind this big oak tree, this looked like a giant figure with a mask on jumped out and roared at us. Now what do you think we did? Those of us that thought we were smart took off. I mean, we, we, we let go of one another and we took off. Every man for himself. <laughs> Except one. My younger brother, my younger brother, I don't know what possessed him, but he took off like a shot toward that figure with his bag in his hand. And he swung as hard as he could and he hit him right in the mouth. As hard as he could. Well, now you know who was behind that mask. And he, he told that story for years about, you know, his son coming and, and whacking him with a bag of Halloween candy. But you know, I learned something there that I've never forgotten. I've learned that when you face giants, 
what you do, particularly if you've got other people that you love, that your people there, you go right at it and you take it on. That's one of the reasons I wanted to, you know, through God's grace, step back into this political arena. Because I, I sense that's where we are with the country, is we need our people to take this on. You know, Abraham Lincoln said something else. I reread it this morning. He, he, was, he was asked to give a speech at the Gettysburg Cemetery. And he wasn't the first one to give a speech. There was someone that got up and droned on for hours. He got up and had 272 words to share with the crowd that day. That was it. But one of the things he said was this. And it has special meaning to me and to you, I think, when you think about this. My name, Paige, by the way, a lot of times the first time people meet me, they said, I thought you'd be a woman. I'd heard your name, but I, you know, I see that name. I thought you'd be a woman. Well, I was named after an uncle, uh, one of two uncles, my father's brothers that were killed in World War II, Paige Wally. Um, but listen to what Abraham Lincoln said that day at this cemetery. I want to make sure I say it exactly right. That we resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. That all these people that have paid a price for our freedom shall not have died in vain. That this nation under God, now underline that, some, some, you'll see some translations will take this out. That this nation under God shall experience and have a new birth of freedom and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from this earth. And every time we stand up and pledge allegiance to the flag, those two words show up again, don't they? One nation under God with liberty and justice for all. But we've got giants attacking us right now. And we're, we, we ought to be worried. We have a government many times, and our government uh, seems paralyzed in some of our states. I'm here to tell you that we as Christians have an important role in that. And, and throughout the Bible, you're going to hear Paul talking about be obedient to the authorities, but not when they trample on God's values. We're supposed to stand up. We, as Christians, got our member. God, He ordained three institutions that I'm aware of in the Bible. The, the family, the church, and the government. And He expects us to participate in all of them. That means the government. That means the role that we have to play. Well, I'm going to connect that back to this giant now, that giant that jumped out from behind the oak tree and the giant we heard you referenced earlier, Brother Eddie. And thank you for all you do and for praying for us the other day with these uh, political dignitaries. You reminded us of who we're under. And that's the only hope for us, under God. You know, David, I really like David. And I bet a lot of you hadn't thought about that David and Goliath story since you were children. We heard it a lot. We kind of don't think much about how does it apply to us now. But you know, David was a younger brother. His big brothers, he had, I think uh, there, were, there were several of them, maybe four of them in the army. And they were all out in the army right now, and he was home doing what his daddy told him to do, doing what his parents told him to do, taking care of the sheep. You know, sometimes we're asked to take care of things, and we wonder, what, what does this have to do with what I really want? I want to be out there fighting. 
I want to be out with my brothers. I want to be out. But sometimes God is preparing us for something bigger and better. And we've got to be obedient to what He has us doing right now. Listen to our parents, taking care of these little things that we think, why do I need to be going to school? Why do I need to be doing this job? I want to be a big shot, a sure enough big shot. And this isn't it. David did what his father said. And his father said, look, your brothers are up there. I want to send some, some vittles up there to them. Take this cheese, take this bread, give some to the king's hall while you're at it too. But you know what was happening to them right now at that time? The army was paralyzed, just like in many ways our country's paralyzed right now. Because it, it, and, and it talks about the army of Saul. They'd forgotten it wasn't Saul's army, was it? It was God's army. And it says that they were being confronted every day by a giant of a man, nine feet tall, wearing armor that weighed 125 pounds carried a spear that the point of it weighed 15 pounds. That's a pretty intimidating character to face up to. And this giant was getting out every day and bellowing to the army of Saul, the army of Israel, send somebody out to fight me. I'm just a, y'all think I'm just a lowly Philistine. Come on, send somebody. If I beat them, then y'all are going to be our servants. And if you beat us, we're going to be yours. And it says that the army just, just quaked in fear. So David gets there, and he, he's got his supplies for his brothers, and he hears this stuff. And he's with his older brothers, just like I'm with my, older, I'm with my younger brother in the cemetery. And he says, what, what are y'all letting this, this clown do this to us before, for? Won't somebody take him on? Now, what do you think the big brothers said? Go on, shut up. What do you think you're doing here? Go back and tend to the sheep. You know, he was humiliating them, and they thought he was out of line, but he kept on until he got an audience with the king, with King Saul, and said, look, I'll, I'll go fight him. I'll go do it. And I said, well, you can't do that. This, this, this man has been a fighting man since his youth, and you're... You're just a little old shepherd boy, a ruddy little shepherd boy. And, and he did something I want to remind you and me of right now. He said, look, he remembered his victories from the past and how God had provided in the face of adversity. You can, you can read this in 1 Samuel 17. And he said just this, your servant's been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried... Off, them off from the flock I went after it, struck it, and rescued it from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it. Your 